0: It's not that important to please everyone. It's a lot more important to please God. And pleasing God is something that, listen to me, you absolutely have the power to do. Welcome to On the Bright
1: Side with Bobby Bollinger, entrepreneur, business owner, and spiritual life coach. Bobby and his brother Glenn own Alliance Sports Group. A collection of hardware and sports product lines, including Nebo tools and flashlights, sold in over 40,000 retail stores across America. Bobby would like your feedback. As a spiritual life coach, how can he help you? Questions, comments, prayers? Bobby reads every email and personally responds to most of them. Bobby at OnTheBrightSide.org. Now, get ready for On The Bright Side with Bobby.
0: Speaking of rain, you know, doesn't it feel like sometimes that life comes at you like a flood? You know, like the rain we just had. It just doesn't let up. Do you ever feel like no matter how hard you try to please everyone? In fact, do you ever feel like no matter how hard you try, you can't please anyone? I'm getting a lot of nodding heads with that. And maybe you notice that it's always the people you want to please the most, but it seems you never can. When I was younger, I I once had a coach that I lived to please, and I could never do it. Today, I want to be an encouragement to anyone who is in a situation like that. But if you're not, you probably will be, because I have some good news for you, and here it is. You will never please everyone. In fact, you'll probably never please the person you're trying so hard to please right now. Maybe that doesn't seem like good news, but it is good news, and I want to tell you why. The first reason is because we need to realize you don't have the power to please anyone. You see, you can do a lot of good things for people. You can receive approval from them, but you have no power to sustain their happiness and their contentment. All people, including your loved ones, will only get that kind of lasting contentment from God. So we can't get discouraged when we don't please everyone because we can't. It's just not in us to do it. The second thing that we need to realize is it's not that important to please everyone. It's a lot more important to please God. And pleasing God is something that, listen to me, You absolutely have the power to do. We just need to go to the Word to remind us how to do that. One of the best examples that I know about how to please God is to read the story of Noah. Because the Word said that God was pleased with Noah. At that time in history, it says that he was the only righteous man on earth. So, what did Noah do to please God so much? Well, first it said he walked with God. That means Noah spent time with God. They had a relationship. They communicated, and Noah loved the Lord. Well, that pleased God. The next thing that Noah did to please God was he trusted Him. Can you imagine how much trust it must have taken for Noah to dedicate his life and his family's life? To the project of building the ark and gathering up all those animals? I mean, think of the challenges. Think of the ridicule that he faced. But Noah trusted God, and God was pleased with him. Noah also pleased God by being obedient. The word says Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. So God was pleased with Noah because of his obedience. So we just look at Noah. Noah showed us how to please God by loving him, trusting him, and by obeying him. There's no wonder that we get frustrated and discouraged when we're not pleasing everyone because we're not made to do that. We can try as hard as we can, and we will never be successful at it. But we were made to love God. We were designed to fellowship with him. And worship Him. And in particular, we were made to bring pleasure to God. He gave all of us the ability and the tools to do that. You know what the funny thing is? When we start trying to please God, we stop worrying about pleasing everybody else. And we end up doing a better job of that anyway. We always heard people say, You can't please everyone. Well, guess what? They were right. You can't. But you can please the only one that matters. And we can all do it in Jesus' name.
1: Did you know that Joseph was a slave and yet God said he was a prosperous man? Stay tuned to hear how to anticipate God's favor in your life, even in difficult times. On the Bright Side, we'll be right back. And now back to On the Bright Side as Bobby Bollinger shares his unique layman's perspective as viewed through his lifelong journey of faith.
0: But first, how many know it's really hot out there? I'll tell you how hot it is. It's so hot that NASA, NASA. Announced today that even though they are shutting down the space program, they are launching their new long range popsicle missile program to cool things down. Isn't that great? Can't wait. Got to keep those jobs going. I want to share on the subject of prosperity. Prosperity by going back into the Word, all the way back to Genesis where God teaches us about prosperity through the life of a young man named Joseph. Now, what's interesting about one of the first lessons on prosperity is that God uses an oxymoron to do it. Now, if you don't remember what an oxymoron is, or you think an oxymoron is a distant cousin of yours, (laughs) I... I have one of those. Let me explain what an oxymoron is. For for example, if you say airline food, that's an oxymoron. Uh, Or if you say congressional ethics, unfortunately that's an oxymoron. Okay, so you get it. But an oxymoron is when you combine... Contradicting terms. But in Genesis chapter 39, it says this, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So Joseph is identified as prosperous. But wait a minute. Just a few verses before this, we learn that Joseph... Was a slave. Having been sold into slavery by his own brothers. So our lesson on prosperity comes from the life of a prosperous slave. Which is certainly a contradiction in terms of our understanding of prosperity. Therefore it seems like an oxymoron. A prosperous slave. Because in our culture we see prosperity as having all the trappings of wealth. Money. Cars property, etc. You know, one thing I love about the Word of God is I don't believe God made any mistakes in it. I believe He had a reason for everything. And I don't think it was an accident that way back in the beginning God pointed out to us through the story of Joseph that being prosperous and having prosperity is not about making money or accumulating wealth. Joseph was a young man who came to know the Lord as a teenager. He sought after the will and destiny that God called him to. And though he suffered greatly and had setbacks along the way, he trusted God. He had integrity. His prosperity was his promise because of his relationship with the Lord. So what we find here is God views prosperity much differently than we do. Material things are not an indicator of prosperity. True prosperity is simply knowing that God is with you in good times and in bad times. True prosperity is His vision alive in your heart. True prosperity is not found in finances, but in the favor and the blessings of God and in His anointing. And in his power at work in your life. And if we think that God's favor is just the increase in our finances. Then we have a diminished and limiting view. Of what God can do. And we need to have our eyes open to the true prosperity that God can give. That goes well beyond our carnal knowledge. And understanding of wealth. Joseph was a slave In the house of a rich and powerful man. And yet God saw Joseph as the prosperous one. Joseph knew he was prosperous because he knew prosperity comes from God and not from man. Because he trusted God, he had a confidence on the inside that was not affected by his circumstances on the outside. The Word says this, Remember the Lord your God for it is He who produces or who gives you the ability to produce wealth. I think the most important takeaway in this story of Joseph the prosperous slave is we need to stop interpreting so many of God's principles as relating to just our finances. Joseph... Listen to this. Joseph had a prosperity mentality. And he lived a very successful life with many accomplishments. But God didn't measure his prosperity by what he had on the outside, but from what he had on the inside. And what he had on the inside is where all the prosperity came from, including the sizable external wealth that he created. The Word says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So we don't want to limit God by praying for Him to prosper us just financially. We want to pray for God to prosper us in what? In all things. In all things and in everything that we do. Today... I hope you know that you can prosper in the Lord and in the world because of the confidence and faith you have in Jesus Christ. You can prosper, just like Joseph, even in tough financial times. So don't get discouraged. Anticipate anticipate the blessing and favor of God in your life. And I promise you, Something good will happen to you in Jesus' name. Coming up next,
1: find out how God can accomplish 100% of what He wants to do in the local church through our obedience. On the Bright Side, we'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying Bobby Bollinger's unique layman's perspective as viewed through his lifelong journey of faith on The Bright Side.
0: What I am trying to do is to speak some knowledge and some encouragement to everyone on the subject of tithing and of giving and of their finances. Now I know many of you were enlightened as I was by Mr. McGregor's message on tithing. It reminded me of the old TV show called Dragnet. You remember that? Where Detective Joe Friday used to say, just the facts, ma'am." Because Malcolm went right to the Word of God, straight up. No nonsense about tithing. I love that. There were five powerful truths in his message. I want to bring back to your attention today in just a mo- for just a moment. The first one was that the tithe, the 10% of our income is holy unto the Lord. You see, tithing is God's concept. And it goes all the way back to the beginning. We first hear about it in the book of Genesis. God had a reason for the tithe. And it was never meant to be logical to man. And it was never meant to just honor God. The second powerful truth in this message is that the number one reason people don't tithe is because they say they can't afford to. You see, God knows that through the ages, it's always been a struggle for most people to meet their needs or pay their bills. Therefore, it requires us to have faith to exercise the discipline of tithing. Tithing will always feel like the right thing to do, but tithing won't always be the comfortable thing to do. The third thing... Is if we tithe first, we can do more with 90% of our income than in partnership with God than we'll ever do with 100% without God's blessing. And when we don't tithe, God doesn't intervene in our finances and will allow the devourer, that yes, that would be the enemy, that would be Satan, that would be the devil, the devourer to steal from us. And you may say, well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter if you don't believe that because the Word says it. And it says, when you tithe, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground. And the fourth truth is if everyone tithes, listen to this, God can accomplish 100% of what he wants to do in the local church. I love this part. We learned that in biblical times everyone tithed into the storehouse and that the storehouse today that would be the local church was a giving and receiving place. Because when everybody tithed there was ample provision for running the business of the temple and there was ample provision for the people in their time of need. And that's what God wants their church to be like today. A giving and receiving place. And it may be an indictment. But the difference between what could be accomplished in our community and what is accomplished by our church is usually due to the lack of resources caused by only partial participation in tithing. And the fifth powerful truth is this tithing is a faith principle it's always been a faith principle and this may be hard for you to accept but when we don't tithe and especially when we don't because we say we can't afford to God views this as saying we don't trust you you see when God installed the tithe He was creating a way for those who love Him and for those who trust Him to have an advantage in life. He wanted to give us a surefire way to enjoy a blessed and abundant life. And all we had to do was follow a simple instruction and have faith in His Word. You know, there's no place in the Scriptures where God allows you to test Him, much less invites you to but in Malachi in reference to the tithe he does exactly that and I love the way that Malcolm McGregor recites it the scripture says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this says the Lord and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you and you and you and you a blessing until there's just no more need. I would love to tell Malcolm McGregor in person how much I appreciate the clarity of his teaching but I can't because after he gave the message that you all heard here at Bethesda some 20 years ago. Just a few days before he was to return here to speak again, he was tragically killed in an auto accident. But I think he would be pleased to know that his message is alive and active in a place called Bethesda where people know that the tithe is holy unto the Lord you know there's an old saying goes like this we first make our habits and then our habits make us tithing is a habit and it's the best one you'll ever develop